Amen. We, we, we say Jesus changed everything. But so many times when we pray that, we want Jesus to change everything around us but us. We don't necessarily want Jesus to change us. We're like, change everything, Lord, but leave me alone. Yeah, leave me alone, Lord. Change them. And we say, God, show us your glory. And we want him to show us the glory, but we don't want to do anything to create an atmosphere of glory. We don't want to chase his glory. We just want, we want freebies. We want God to change everything. We want us to show us his glory. We want him to heal us, touch us, but we don't want to do anything. We want to just sit back in our recliners and let God just do it for us, right? But we, there's something, we got, we've got to act for that to happen. There's things that we've got to do. We've got to be willing to change. We've got to be willing for God to, to move in our life. We've got to go after his glory. We've got to seek his presence. We've got to seek his face and just not expect that he's our little genie in the bottle and just does what we want to when we want him to. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I want you to know that we're so excited about what happened last, last Sunday night. We got an update. We got an update. Amen. We got an update, and now we were up. Now we were up to twenty-two thousand dollars that has been given. Amen. Praise God. So we are looking forward to the other. The we're about thirty percent there. We're looking forward to the rest of the money showing up at any day, and hopefully they'll walk through the doors today with checks in their hands. Uh, you know, somebody that'll do that and give us the rest of it. But today I want to talk to you about servant. Hood. We talked about a couple, day, a couple weeks ago on Easter, actually, we talked about um, um, the day that changed everything. And then we talked about last week, we talked about um, one day at a time. It was a really, really, really uh, exciting message. And today we're going to talk about be somebody's one day. And then next week is Mother's Day. And so we're excited about um, that, that day as well. But today I want to share, I want to start off just... Today's message is going to be a little different. I'm not just going to read, read the passage and then talk to you. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to read the passage and I'm going to talk to you about the passage as I'm going through it a little bit. And give you some enlightenment and give you uh, maybe a shocker here at the end of the passage of, 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 of what the passage is about. But be somebody's one day. The one that the message that a lot of people go to whenever they're talking about uh, servanthood and this kind of stuff is this passage and I want to read it about the good Samaritan but I want to start off with verse 26 I'm sorry verse 25 it says then a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines and now I'm reading from the, the, the passage translation and, and this, this is a, a wonderful uh, the pastor from uh, Bethel and from Hillsong and from Jesus Culture all these guys have endorsed, endorsed this passage because, because what it does it just don't take the Greek and the Hebrew it also takes in the Aramaic um, translations which, which is more of a passion uh, an emotional translation as well and so it takes all of them together so instead of just saying what Jesus said the Passion Translation takes into consideration the emotion of what Jesus said, okay? It's still what he said, but it takes into in consideration the emotion of what he said. So I love this translation. But it says, the religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. This religious scholar happened to be a lawyer. He was a lawyer, so he was well-versed in the Scriptures. And he posed us a question to try to test God. He says, teacher... What requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in, forever in heaven? New Living Translation says, what must I do for, to inherit eternal life? Now, I love what Christ does because every time in the Bible someone tries to test him 
and tries to mess with him to try to trap him, instead of answering him, they, he, he gives him another question. Okay? So they said, hey, what can I do to inherit kingdom life? Jesus replied, what does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? In other words, he throws it back on them. And so he's saying, what, what, what do I got to do to inherit life? He says, well, look here. You got the Ten Commandments, right? What do you read in there that it says that you got to do? And uh, the, the religious scholar says, well, it states, the law states, that you must love the Lord with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and your every thought. And you must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. And so Jesus said, that's correct. Now, go and do exactly that, and you'll live forever. And he's like, oh, okay. Really? Okay. Uh, so what does he do? Wanting to justify himself because he does not do that, he said, um, well, what do you mean by, what, what does it mean by my neighbor? Because I love myself, and I feel like I love you, but I, I got some concerns about my neighbor. What does that entail? Can you define neighbor? Okay. This, you know, and every time I, I say my neighbor, I always think about Mr. Rogers. You know, won't you be my neighbor? I love that. I had to get it out of my mind because if I didn't get it out of my mind, I'd be thinking about it the whole service. That's just how my mind works. I got to get it out. So anyway, but it says, so he said, what do you mean by my neighbor? So Jesus replied, listen, I'll tell you. There was a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits robbed him from along the way. Now, Jerusalem is 3,000, about 3,000 feet above sea level. And Jericho is about 800 to 1,000 feet below sea level. So there's a big difference between the two. And so as they were coming down, there's a lot of rocks and ravines and crevices. And it's only about a 17-mile difference from, from the two. So it's pretty quick. You know, it's pretty steep. And so for, you, for, for that, 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 that depth, there's a lot of opportunity for danger. And because of that, there's, there were Bedouins that are there. Bedouins are just like homeless people kind of. They just kind of sleep around and stuff, and they rob people. It's not so bad today, but then it was definitely in a bad situation. It, but it says, so they, uh, there's a story, and it says from, Jer from Jerusalem to Jericho, this Jewish man was going. It says, and the bandits robbed him along the way, and they beat him severely stripped him naked and left him half dead. Well, that beat, that word beat, uh, in, in the Greek, it, it talks about being pummeled, constantly beaten. In other words, you see the pictures of people that got beat up real bad, their eyes swole, their face is lacerated, their body is beat up. And I mean, and they just didn't just beat his face up because it says they stripped him naked. So they were kicking him and they were punching him and pulling on him and, and dropping knee bombs and whatever they were doing to beat him up constantly. So bad that he was beaten and lacerated, okay, just on the side of the road. And, it says, and then they left him for dead. So they weren't concerned about him. They had issues with this guy, and they beat him up. Okay, so then it says, soon, after this happened, soon, a Jewish priest, okay, let's stop. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, a Jewish priest, the priest who preached the law, the, the priest who taught the law, who knew the law, that said in Deuteronomy that if you see a man in need, Help him. If his, if his ox is in a ditch, help him pull it out. So this man who knew the law, that knew the law says, help this man. It says he saw him from a distance. Oh, he was walking the same road as this, as this wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, 
the priest crossed over to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Okay, not, he, he, he did not walk up on this man and say, huh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose not to help him. It says he saw him in a distance. Oh, that, uh, okay, so I'm not even going to think about going that way. I'm going to go ahead and cross over now early. So when I get there, it won't even be in my sight. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and move over now, so I'm not even thinking. I'm not going to look at him as I'm walking. I'm going to go ahead and move over. This man that knows the law, knows what's right to do, chooses early in his visual sight to move over to the other side so he won't be bothered with it. He was distracted by something. You may, you put some people, theologians, said, well, he, you know, he possibly could have you know, didn't want to touch the unclean thing he didn't, because he was going to the temple. Well, no, they were coming from Jerusalem, so the temple would have been in Jerusalem. So as he saw him, he, would have, he would have not, wouldn't have been an issue because of the fact that he was not um, going to the, the temple. So he saw him, and he crossed over okay, and decided to choose not to help a man that he knew that the law said to help. Now, later a religious man, a Levite. A Levite was someone who helped the, the uh, priest. They were an assistant. They were a children's pastor. <laughs> they were a youth pastor. They were somebody that, that helped in the temple, um, but they were not the one in charge. And it says, and likewise, he crossed over to the other side by the wounded man without stopping to help him. So this guy, he didn't necessarily look from afar off. It just it says, it just says that he crossed over towards, when he got close to him, crossed over and went on by. Two people that knew the law, that taught the law, that were aware of the law, chose to go by. Then finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon a bleeding man, the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. Now, here's the problem. Jews and Samaritans were oil and water, salt water and fresh water. Uh, they hated each other with a disdain, with a passion. They, 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 they did not communicate. They didn't come into communication with each other at all. They hated each other, okay? So, but it says this Samaritan saw this Jewish man, which he should have been an enemy of his, chose and said, you know what? I have compassion on this situation. And even though we're not, we're not of the same cloth, we're not, we're not together, even though you're my enemy, I have compassion on you. And it says, and he stooped down and gave him first aid. He got down on the ground. He kneeled to him and gave him first aid, pouring oil, olive oil in his wounds, disinfecting them with wine, and bandaged them to stop the bleeding. So he had oil and wine in, 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 his, in his bag. You know, they use that oil for, 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 you know, for ointment and stuff and the, and the wine for, for drinking and for, for cooking and all that. And he took those out and it says he poured them. He wasn't trying to just dab a little bit. It says that he poured them. So he wasn't concerned that he might use a lot on somebody else, especially even an enemy. He was not even concerned about that. It says, and then he, he bandaged him. So obviously we don't walk around with someone that's pouring blood everywhere. With, with tourniquets and stuff in, our, in their bags. So he used what he had in his bag. And then, most likely, commentaries say that he started tearing off pieces. You, you, you've seen people, you know, in town where, and, and on movies where they come up and someone, they just rip the shirt off and start tearing it up to, to, to tourniquet. And so that's what he did. He, he, turn, he put tourniquets on there to stop, his, to stop the bleeding. He bandaged him up and helped him. Now, that, that by itself seems like that's a good neighbor. Just right there. You stop and you help somebody, right? That's a good neighbor. Well, it goes on, and it says, it says, and then lifting him up, and he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. 
Okay, so he picked him up by himself, which even if this man weighed 100 pounds, 100 pounds dead weight is a lot of weight. You know what I'm saying? Because, because you ever pick, try to pick somebody that was just like a noodle? It's just like so hard to pick them up. If they're stiff, you can pick up that and a lot more. But whenever just, they're, just, they're just broken, it's just really hard. And so it says he picked them up, put them on his own donkey, blood pouring everywhere. And, and he, he picked, I don't know if he, if he sat him straddle and let him lay down or he crossed him over. I don't know how he did it. But he put him on his donkey, took him to an inn. So now, that was a good neighbor. Not only did that, you took him somewhere. And then it says, the next morning he took his own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper. So now, he took his own money. It says the next morning. So not only was he on his way somewhere and stopped to help the man, put him on his own donkey, and and took him to an inn, then he spent the night with him. He spent the night with him taking care of his wounds, maybe feeding him. Here, try to drink a little bit of water, making sure he was okay. The next morning, it says, he took money from his wallet to the innkeeper and said, take care of him till I come back from my journey. And if it costs more than this, I will repay you. He gave him two denarii, which was enough for anywhere from two weeks to two months in an inn at that day. So let's just say, let's put it in between, and let's say a, a month and a half, a month. Let's just say a month. Okay, that's a lot of money to pay for somebody for a month and say, hey, for the next month, I want you to keep him here, check on him, feed him, and make sure he's got everything he needs. And if I come back and it costs more than what I gave you, I got you. It's all right. I'll give you more money. Now, that's really, that's really, really a good, that's a neighbor, you know. Um, won't you be my neighbor, Mr. J- Mr. Samaritan man? Um, but he, so, so it says, now, uh, Jesus looked at him and said, now tell me which one of these three men saw the wounded man and proved to be a true neighbor. The religious man responded, he can't even say Samaritan still. He can't say the Samaritan man. He said, the one who demonstrated the most kindness and mercy. He hates him so bad, can't even say his name. So then Jesus said, okay. You must go and do the same as he. So Jesus is trying to let this man know, okay? And so most people, let me stop before I finish. This, most people just use this as helping learn how to be a servant. And, and God uses scriptures and stories to bring out different things, right? And you can use it for different things. But let's go back. Was this story really about being a neighbor? No. We use this about being a neighbor and, and how to serve all the time. And that's okay because it's in the scripture and it has been an example of that. But let's go back to the very beginning. What's the first question I said this man asked? How do I make it to heaven? It wasn't about being a neighbor. It was about how do I make it to heaven? And Christ was trying to get him to know the law says you got to do this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if yourself, if you were hurt, broken, you would do whatever it took. You would take whatever precautions. You spend all your money. You do whatever it took to make you well. And you needed to do the same for your neighbor. Okay, well, that's what the law says. So for you to go to heaven, that's what you got to do to obey the law. What the man should have said was, God, Jesus, I can't do that. that that's way more than I can do. I can't. I can't comprehend doing that to all my neighbors, and ha- I, I wouldn't have any money. I can't. Basically, he should have said, I can't meet the requirements of the law. Give me mercy, please. That's what, that was the whole point. Christ was letting them know that you can't meet that law. You need me. You're trying to get to heaven by the law. 
and you're teaching the law, and you're a lawyer of the law, but you can't get to heaven by the law. So I'm coming, and I'm coming, and I'm bringing mercy and grace, and that's what you need. But he didn't because, amen. But what happened was, it so it says, you must go do the same as he. Story over, period. It started another story. So the man turned around and must have just walked away because he, he couldn't meet that, and he was not willing to say, okay, hey, God, I need your grace. I need your mercy. Help me. And then I, after I read that, I was going to go back and talk about being as a servant, and I'm going to in a minute, but I started just going on a little further, and I was like, wow, the, 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 uh, the, the priest was distracted by something in his mind and made him go and not do what he was supposed to do. The Levite was distracted, and, and I'm over here, but the Samaritan had compassion and did what he needed to do. So I started to read a little bit further. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman was welcomed, in, welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation that he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing her numerous household chores in preparation for her guest. So she interrupted Jesus, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all this work by myself and all these chores? You should tell her to get up and help me. Now it's a bad day when you tell Jesus what he should do. Okay? Especially when you ain't right. Because Jesus looked at her and said, Mary, uh, Martha, Martha, my beloved Martha. In other words, sweetheart let me let you know let me educate you on something why are you so upset and troubled pulled away by all these distractions and they are and and are they really important mary had discovered one the, the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet she is undistracted so i will not take that privilege from her so what happened, these priests were distracted and didn't do what they were supposed to do. And Martha was distracted and wasn't doing what she was supposed to do. The priest wanted somebody else to do it. And Martha was like, I got to do it all. Can somebody else help me? And Mary was at the feet of Jesus. And like there's a time and place for everything, but Jesus is in my home. And I got to stop being distracted by everything and focus only on him and I'm going to sit at his feet nothing else matters right now nothing matters but Jesus right now amen so I I, uh, I went on and I started looking and I found I found this this little poem that talks about self-righteousness versus true service and it really touched my heart it says self-righteous service comes from human effort true service comes from a relationship with the divine other deep inside. And then, and then self-righteous service is impressed with the big deal. True service finds it almost impossible to distinguish the small service from the large service. Okay? So, what, so in other words, self-righteousness self says, well, I'll help and I want to serve, but I want it to be a big deal and I want to be about the big deal. Okay? True service says, there is no small service and no big service. I don't care how small it is, I'm willing to serve. Matter of fact, I had a, a phone call this week from someone, 
And they just said, Pastor Doug, I want you to know, I, I've been here a while, and I want to start helping the church. And I was like, well, praise God. And I was waiting for them to tell me what they, 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 were, they were interested in doing. And the person said, well, you know what? I just want you to know, Pastor Doug, I'm willing to do and work wherever you need me. I was like, praise God. Praise Jesus. Come on, somebody. You mean you ain't going to call and tell me what you got to do and what you want to do and all your gifts and talents? And You're just going to say, hey, where can I be used at? And I even, I even gave that person. I said, well, here's, here's some things that I need and gave them the option. And they said, it doesn't matter. Wherever you put me at, I'm okay. Because this person was not concerned about the big deal. I don't care if I'm on stage. I don't care if I'm in the life room. I don't care where I'm at. I don't care if I'm in the back. Nobody knows I'm there. I have been blessed by God, and I'm just here to serve wherever I can be a part. And that's what God wants. He don't want you to, to just to do it because you're in the limelight, or he wants you to have a servant's heart to say it doesn't matter if it's a big deal or not, if it's a small deal. I, if, if nobody picked up trash in here, this would be a slum. It doesn't matter about that. You know, if nobody, if nobody changed the toilet paper in there, every one of you would be in my office. Pastor Dunn, there ain't no toilet paper in the bathroom. So it takes people to, to do the small things. And the small things is what makes is a big deal to God. Anybody can do the big things. The small things is a big deal to God. So it says, um, self-righteousness requires external rewards. True service True service rests contented in hiddenness. Don't matter if I'm seen. Um, Self-righteous service is highly concerned about the results. True service is free from the need to calculate the results. I come to serve. Well, what, don't you want to know what all happened because of you? No, it don't matter. don't matter what happened. I just did it because I'm here to serve. Um, Self-righteousness picks and chooses whom to serve. Self, true service is indiscriminate. In its ministry, well, I want to help this. No, it don't matter where, who, doesn't matter what ministry. I, you need help, well, how can I help? Um, Self-righteousness is, is affected by moods and whims. True service ministers simply and faithfully because there's a need. Self-righteous is temporary. True, serv true service is a lifestyle. Oh, there's a big event, I'll help because I'll look good. But, you know, true service is I'll help every week if I can. Self-righteous service is without sensitivity. It, 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 it insists on meeting the need even when to do so would be destructive. True service can withhold the service freely as performant. Yeah, I can serve this, but if I do this, it's going to hurt a situation. So you know what? I can, I can just not, you know, if, I, if it's going to be a hurt or if I'm going to be in somebody's way or, or, you know, it's going to be a big deal, I'm just going to step back. Self-righteous service fractures community. True service, on the other hand, builds community. And that's why we serve. I'm sorry. So I want to give you some reason. You're like, okay, Pastor Doug, I, I see the deal. I know that I, 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 can't, I can't meet the law, and I need Christ. I need Christ in my life. I need to be, be a Christian in forgiveness, and that's what that story was about. And I see that I need to serve, and I see that I don't need to avoid um, serving. And I see what a true heart of service is and what, a, what, a, what someone is who serves because of their self-righteousness self and wants attention. And so, 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 so you answer those questions. So why should I serve? Okay, well, let's, let me give you 
here at the end of the service, I want to give you some scriptures of why. Number one, you were created to serve. Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite scriptures in the world. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He created us to be able to serve others. So that's why we should serve. Christ was our example on how to serve. That's why we should serve. Matthew 20 and 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. He said, I didn't come to be served. Matter of fact, he put the, the, the towel on his arms, and at the Last Supper, he bowed down to the disciples, and he got down and washed the disciples' feet. And they were like, he served them. And for those who don't understand that, or, or maybe you're, you're, you're a little bit younger, washing the, when he washed their feet, it was a sign of humility and service to them. It's not wasn't something weird and it wasn't looking at somebody's toe jam. It was all about, hey, I'm here to honor myself and bow myself before you and to show you honor and respect. And, then I, and I'm, humble, I'm humbled to be here before you. And so what was such a big deal about Christ washing their feet was, he was the leader, and he bowed down to the servants' feet and washed their feet. So then they were like, oh, Christ, let, me, let, us, let us wash your feet now. And he said, no, that's, that wasn't why I did it. I did it so I can show you how it's done so now you can serve others. So Christ came to serve, and so he showed us how to serve, and he wants us to serve others. And then Galatians 1 and 15 and 16 says that we're called to serve. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me. So every one of you in here are called. Well, I'm not called to do nothing for God. God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I could proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. 1 Peter 4.10 tells us that we are gifted to serve. God has given each one of you a gift from his great variety of gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Booyah. Okay? So every one of y'all, you think, I don't have any gifts. That's a lie from the devil. 1 Peter 4.10 says God has given each one of you a gift from his great variety of gifts. There's all kind of gifts. And it says, so find your gift, work your gift, and use it to serve others, whatever your gift is. Maybe it's just a gift of helps. Hey, what can I do? How can I help you? You got, you got an event. You got this going on. You got, hey, I don't have money. What can I do? Maybe you say, hey, I've got money. What can I, I do? Maybe you can say, hey, I can just be a person that can stand somewhere and watch. Or I can, whatever. I can stand in a parking lot. I can, I can, I can stand back here. I can do, what I, can I do? I can cook. I can, I can clean. I can, what, what can I do? I can stand here. I can count. I mean, what, what can I do? I know I have a gift. I, don't, I, I need to find out what it is so I can use it to serve others. Matthew 20 26 through 28 says, I'm commanded to serve. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be last or find yourself to be a slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others to give his life for a ransom. Whenever I used to have leaders, people that would come up to me and, and, and want to, to serve, you know, and, and be a leader um, in, in, my, in youth ministry or wherever I was at, I would constantly, when they wanted to be a leader, I would watch to see, hey, in my mind, I wanted to think, have they, 
Are they a good servant? If some, especially if somebody wanted to be, like in my youth ministry, wanted to be one of my main leaders, or they wanted to be a, a life group leader in my youth group that I had, or if they wanted to be on the stage, I would think back, have I seen them serve? I would never let anybody lead that didn't serve. Because the Word of God says you're commanded to serve, and if you can't serve, you certainly can't lead. Because you've got to lead with servanthood. And um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a story, and I, think I, I, I didn't write it down, and I didn't think it would come back to my mind to, to even use. But it was, a, it, it was somebody, there was a, a man that was standing there, and they were trying to get a wall done. And uh, a man stopped and came and said, sir, why are you standing there not helping him? And he said, because I'm a corporal. And the man in plain clothes said, okay. And so um, he, he got out the car, and he went there and started helping him. And he went back to him and said, next time you need some help, call, call, call your general commander and, and, and ask for help. Because it was, I think it was like General Washington. It was, it was, a, it was a commander that, that stopped and helped. And the guy that was a corporal said, oh, I'm a corporal, I ain't going to help. And it was the commander that came up and said, I'll, I'll get out and help you. Because true leaders serve. You're going to find me, not all the time. A lot of times I'm doing other things. I'm talking and ministering and stuff like that. But even at, at you're going to see me cleaning up. You're going to see me moving chairs. These chairs hurt my back. I move them so much. You know, but, but a true leader is going to be someone that is not just going to have other people serve. I had the hardest time when I was in the military because once I became a second class, you know, I was sitting there as a second class, and I, as a third class officer, E4, I was supposed to uh, um, just work whatever they told me to do I was supposed to do it but when I became a second class petty officer I was supposed to stand there and let other other people work so when I when I came and I was like okay guys hey we got to sweep the decks do this and do that do that and do that and then we can knock off so hey I'll help you guys I'll sweep the deck so on so on and and so on My, my, my senior chief would come up and say Falk and he would call me blankety blank you blankety blank you stand there and drink your blankety blank coffee and you watch them blankety blank work I'm like, yeah, but senior chief, if I help, then we can get off early. I don't care about them blanking and blank getting off early. You're supposed to stand there, and they're supposed to do the work now. And I was like, and I was thinking, man, if I ever get out of this military and I can be a leader somewhere, I show, I, this is not the way I'm going to lead. Because it's just not right to the people. It's just not right because we're commanded to serve. Everybody should serve from the top to the bottom. It's, I don't believe in this while I've done my time. Okay, serving proves that I belong to Christ, Romans 7 and 4. So my dear brothers and sisters, to this point, you died to this power and the, um, of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a great harvest of deeds for Christ. So because we, we, because we belong to Christ, it's our job to serve. Um, my church family needs me to serve, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you are part of it. I have a message that I'll preach sometime. It's not very long, but it's called People Puzzle Pieces. The three Ps, P to the third power, People, people Puzzle Pieces. You've got to say that quick. Huh? But, but the thing is, it's about everybody being a puzzle piece, and everybody's part of the body. And if you have one piece of the puzzle of a 1,000-piece puzzle, and you put 999 pieces together, and one piece is not part of the puzzle that puzzle is not complete so we need each and every one of you every one of y'all belong here every one of y'all are important we need every one of you and my church family needs me to serve 
The second part of that is 1 Corinthians, let's back up to 12.22 instead of 27. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most important or most necessary. And you may say, well, I'm not, I'm not that big a deal. I don't do a whole lot. All I do is change the, 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 the toilets or, pay, or clean the toilets. All I do is clean up a little bit. Well, let me tell you what. Do you understand that you, you would think, What's the most important parts of you being able to work and do a job and do that? You would say heart and soul or heart and mind, right? But did you know that if you cut your to- both of your big toes off, you would fall over? That your big toes is the only reason that you can stand. That, that is your balance. So your big toes, you would think, what do I need a big old nasty, nasty toes for? Why am, I, why am I talking about toes so much today? But, 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 but why do I need those two big toes? Well, because without those, you'll be, so, so you're a part, and without you, we cannot balance. We need each and every one of you to be a part. To serve others is to serve God. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. That's Colossians 3.23. So it says, whatever you do, do as if you're doing it for the Lord. I don't care if you're, if you're out, if you're working your, your secular job, do as if you're doing it for the Lord. When you're, you have a relationship with your spouse, husband or wife, when you're doing things for them, do as if you're doing it for the Lord. If you're at church, do as if you're doing it for the Lord. If you're out there, whatever you're doing, the Bible says do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Everything that you do, give your all. There was a, a matter of fact, um, I don't, uh, Ricky must have stepped out, but it, but it says years ago the Salvation Army was holding an international convention of their founder, General William Booth, and, um, could, and he could not attend because of his physical weakness. And he was going to talk to the gener- the, the, all the people in the Salvation Army. And so it said that, that he, at, at a convention, he cabled his, his message to them, and he had a message prepared. And so he cabled it, which meant like, you know, like um, Morse code, what have you, he, you know. but the whole message in one word was others. So this general of the Salvation Army, he just said, here you go, I'll make it easier for you. My, my message is others. And that was his whole message that he sent to them. Also, I serve because I owe Christ everything. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that everybody that believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. We owe Christ our life. Because he died, we can live forever. Romans 12 and 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies um, to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he can find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And if you, you can come on up now, Don. I serve because it makes life meaningful. If you try to hang on to life, you'll lose it. If you give up your life for my sake, you will, you will get, you will, it will, um, for the good news, you will save it. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for God is ever useless. I don't care what you do for God. And you're saying, God, I'm doing this for you. It's never useless. It's always meaningful because he knows your heart. He knows you're willing to serve. Romans 14, 12 says that we'll be accountable for our service. Yes, each one of us will give account, a personal account to God. We'll stand before God. Yes, he will already said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We walk in and we'll give an account for our life of how good we spent 
the, the resources in our life that God gave us. Matthew 25 and 23, it says, I serve God because he will, re- he will reward my service. The master said, well done to that good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling a small amount, so now I will make you many more, give you many more responsibilities. And then John 20, I mean 12 and 26 says, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. It's all about service. And I want to read this one more definition of service. This is a definition that someone named A.T. wrote. A.T. That was his name. But it says, the definition of service, whatever is done for God without respect of its comparative character as related to other acts is service, and only that is service. Service is comprehensively speaking and doing the will of God. He is an object. All is for him and his sake unto the Lord, not unto man. Hence, even the humblest act of the humblest disciple acquires a certain divine quality by which it's being done with reverence to him. The supreme test of the service, the supreme test of, uh, of service, service is for whom am I doing this for? Much much that we call service to Christ is not much service at all. If we're doing this for Christ, then we should not care for human reward or human recognition. Our work must again be tested by three propositions. Is it work from God as given up for us to do for Him? Is it for God as finding in Him the secret of power? And is it done with God as only a part of the work in which we engage as co-workers with Him? So, that's a whole lot, a whole lot of scripture, a whole lot of stuff. But the bottom line is, who are you doing what you do for? You're serving God and you're serving people. When you serve people, who are you doing that for? For your own accolades, for you to look good, for you to sound good? Or is it for somebody else? Or is it for God? And are we willing to say, God, hey, I can't fulfill the law. I can't, I really can't serve others like you really want me to. So I submit to your mercy and to your grace. And then, God, I ask for your grace and, and humility and help for me to serve people the best that I can. Help me to serve you and serve the church and to serve others. And do it with all that I am and with the right motives for the right reasons. And God, don't let me get distracted when you ask me to help somebody. One quick story and I'll be done. The other day I was going to meet somebody um, at uh, Sarah Grande. I was trying to get there and, and um, I walked by and as I walked by this young gentleman, he said, Sir, can you, can you please just give me $2? You know, and, I, and I said, you know what? I don't have any cash on me right now. I said, I, that I can give. I need, to, I need to go meet somebody so, so, man, I, I'm just going to meet him, and I ain't going to buy nothing myself. So I'm just going to go in there real fast, and, 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 I, and I can't. And I walked on. And as I walked on, I was like, man, he just didn't, he seemed kind of really serious. And he didn't really seem like he was just trying to get some liquor or something. And I said, well, when I come back out, I'm going to talk to him again. So I came back out, and, and I said, hey, man, I said, what do you need the money for? And he said, well, I'm trying to get, a, 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 get, get on a bus back to go to uh, the shelter. 
because I said, the shelters are closed. He said, well, no, I'm already, already, I'm already checked in, so I'm okay. I said, all right. So I started going back to my car, and I was like, God. And I was like, man, I, I should have helped him. And I, so I went, in the, I went in my car, and, I, and I, I got some change up, and I found enough money that, that would help him. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go back and help him. And I went back to help him, and somebody else was there giving his $2 for his bus fare. And I was like, God, I got distracted. And you had a blessing for me. This was a real deal. This wasn't a man trying to scam somebody. And I said, you had a, I asked you for open doors of minister. And Sunday I'm talking about serving. And I'm talking about the man who walked by because he was distracted by what he had to do. And I walked by this young man because I was distracted because I had to meet somebody right that second. And I walked in there and they weren't even there. And so I walked back out and I realized that I needed help. And then somebody else, said, he had already said, you know what, Doug? You had your chance. Let me give this blessing to somebody else. And I missed my opportunity to give. My point is, hey, we all do it. And I should have been a little bit more sensitive to the spirit and realized that it was a serious situation, that it wasn't just somebody saying, hey, please help me, that he really needed help to get back. Matter of fact, I was contemplating when I got back in my car finding a change, I was thinking about just putting him in my car and taking him to the shelter. But I never even got a chance to do that because he was already helped and was on his way. So how can I help somebody? How can I be somebody's one day? Well, you can help somebody. You can buy them some coffee for somebody behind you. You can, you can do something for somebody. You can, you can give them some money, a little bit of money they need. But everything's not financial. You can help your neighbor in the yard when the, whenever a hurricane or wind blows real hard. You can help somebody across the street. When it's raining and someone don't have a, an umbrella, you can help them with an umbrella, walk to their car. Or maybe you can go to their car and help somebody that's older put stuff in their car because it's raining. You can do all kind of small things. You can just walk by and smile at somebody, somebody that's lost a loved one in their life. You can call them weeks and months afterwards. When someone, when, when someone has lost a mom or a dad, you can call them on Mother's Day or Father's Day and say, I'm praying for you and God's good. There's all kinds of ways that don't cost money that we can help. We can serve at the church and say, hey, I don't want a big job just when you need an extra hand. Would you let me know? There's all kinds of things we can do that we can make somebody. The greatest day that you made of God, you know when you made God's day? When you received Christ. That was his one day. And then every day you serve him after that, is just as exciting to him as the first. So today, can we leave here today a kingdom life? And, and yes, we need money. But you know what I learned from my spiritual father? He told me, he said, he said, son, let me tell you. He said, if you help somebody else meet their dreams, your dreams will be fulfilled. He said, you help them and just put your dreams on the shelf. You're a youth pastor. Just put your, all your youth pastor dreams on the shelf and you help your pastor meet his goals whatever they are, for the church and his personal life. He said, and then one day, the more, you, the more you give to your pastor and your church, he said, God will pull you back. And then one day he'll release you and it'll, it'll thrust you into your destiny. And look where I am today. Trying to be the best number two man. I was, I was okay with being number two. Uh, they would tell me, they said, hey man, but you can be the pastor. I said, I'm, I can be the best number two man the rest of my life. I don't have to be number one. Matter of fact, Right now, I can still be number two because be number two, you can always look at somebody and say, hey, what do I do? <laughs> Everybody looks at me and I ain't got nobody to turn to. Like, uh. But that's why I still have spiritual fathers and that's why I, I pray and seek God for wisdom and say, God, you've got to help me make a decision. 
I'm trusting you're going to help me make the right one. Would you bow your hand and close your eyes? God, help us today to have a servant's heart and realize that it's not about us. It's just about serving you. And if I do my best and I give my all and I've done all that I can do, if nobody says anything, you're going to reward me for it one day. And even if you don't reward me for it, God, you deserve me doing it for you because of all you've done for me. God, help us, God, to to not be distracted by things and miss opportunities. Help us, Father, Lord, to to, to not be like those guys that that walked on the other side. And, God, we we understand they're scam artists. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment that we don't get scammed and and that kind of stuff. But even if we decide to try and we realize we got scammed, but we gave as unto the Lord, you're pleased. And, Father, help us to have a servant's heart and do everything as if we're doing it for you. Help us as a church to serve others. Help us as individuals to serve others. And Lord, help us in this church to serve each other. In return, we'll always be serving you. And we love you, Father, and we thank you for today. Help us go be somebody's day today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.